welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 184th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 639th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, August 27th, 2020. I am your host, Jared Morris, and I hope I still remember what I'm doing. All right, let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. This week's banner moment occurred on Sunday when news broke that Indiana will hire Kenya Hunter to replace Bruiser Flint, who is off to join his old pal Coach Cal in Lexington. Yeah. Alas, Kenya Hunter comes to Indiana from Yukon, where he had been an assistant under Dan Hurley. Prior to that, Hunter spent a handful of years at Nebraska under Tim Miles and at Georgetown, where he played a key role in recruiting and developing some of those teams' most notable players. Perhaps most importantly, Hunter has a track record with Archie Miller, having worked together at both NC State and Xavier, and even prior to that. And given the timing of Bruiser Flint's departure this late in the offseason, and during a still-ongoing pandemic, no less, it's hard to imagine that IU could have done better than Kenya Hunter. And that's not intended as a backhanded compliment. There are reasons to be really excited about this hire, and even consider the possibility that it's an upgrade. In addition to Hunter's history with Archie Miller, he is known as a well-rounded coach who relates well with his players. In the aftermath of the hiring, there were a barrage of tweets like this one from Corey Evans of Rivals, quote, an awesome hire for Indiana with Kenya Hunter should help on the floor and along the trail, future head coach in waiting. Plus, at every stop, Hunter has helped to upgrade the recruiting. At Nebraska, for example, he was the lead recruiter on Glenn Watson, one of the only top 100 recruits the Cornhuskers have ever landed. If Hunter can help Archie Miller improve on the already strong inside-out recruiting foundation that has been rebuilt at Indiana, then it will help the IU program take the long-awaited next step. It's always tough to judge the impact of assistant coaching hires. We were all excited about Ed Schilling and Bruiser Flint when they were hired, but no one really considered it a major loss when either departed. And while we were all excited about Mike Roberts being hired, none of us really know yet what kind of impact he's having on the bottom line of winning. So we should approach analysis of this hire with some level of humility. What I can tell you is that the people with insider knowledge seem to think that Hunter is a really good fit with Archie Miller and will have a positive impact on the program. His track record certainly backs this up. And this late into the strangest college basketball offseason in memory, you can't ask for much more than that. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left. Cost a dollar, heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. You cannot outwork me. Coach, it's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Well, Jared, it's uh, nice to have you back uh, so I can just sit back and answer questions and and not stress about all the buttons that we have to push. <laughs> so welcome back. It's nice to have you back. Just uh, just getting excited as much as you can in these crazy for you know sports to come be some number changes not a big deal that doesn't make a, a huge difference in Indiana basketball but you see names and numbers and uh, heights and weights and that just gives you a little bit of excitement about hopefully what's coming out I also am thinking a little bit about I like the fact that 
they're trying to find dates and times and places to get the season started. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, we don't have this mixed bag of who's playing and who's not playing, but we can have a college basketball season. I think it's really necessary in a lot of ways. And so I appreciate uh, what seems like at least an effort to plan ahead uh, and try to maximize uh, what can be done in, in this situation. So I think that's that's a good thing. And, and then lastly, really proud of our football coach. You know, I, I've been slow to really jump on the bandwagon, but what, what a tough thing to have your season canceled. And yet the approach is uh, sharpen his axe and, and get the team better. Uh, handling a, an adverse situation tells me a lot about a person. And uh, I've, I've gained a lot of respect in the last year or two about how he is team first, player first and really helping these guys handle a tough situation. And I'm proud that Coach Allen is a coach at, at Indiana. So uh, hope, hopefully we can continue to talk schedule and things in the weeks to come. All right. Well said, Coach. All right. And to my left, or to my right, whichever direction we're on now. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, answers. Let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Held you in my womb for nine months. Brian, what is your rant on the last week in, I don't know, anything? That's a really interesting add to the end of that uh, <laughs> drop. Uh, anyway, I, I think the, the big story is obviously Kenya Hunter, as you alluded to, and I think that it's a great hire. And I think there were some other coaches suggested, and, and of course they were probably would have been great hires as well. But I, I think Kenya Hunter is a guy who's going to fit what Indiana does really well, uh, has familiarity with Archie Miller and and – you know, obviously he's going to know about Indiana and he's going to know what he, what to expect when he comes here. But it, it's a guy who can do both things. You, a lot of times in coaching, you get a recruiter or you get a technical on court guy. And it seems like everybody seems to think he's both. And, and so um, really a chance for him to move up the ranks as well, going from UConn to Indiana, as far as visibility and a chance for Indiana to sort of fill out the, the coaching staff with a, a guy who can do some different things for them and a guy who has familiarity with Archie Miller. So he knows what he's getting into. It's not like a coach who's going to come in and be overwhelmed. He knows Archie. He knows about Indiana. He's ready to come in and, and, and you know, it clearly is ready for that next step in his career. So I think it's a great hire. And I think that uh, we'll see, you know, how he does when he's here. But as far as on paper, this looks like a really good hire and, and fills out the coaching staff really well. And he has, you know, experience in the Big Ten too, which is nice. Yeah. By the way, how close are we to you just putting a volleyball up there and just talking directly to the volleyball? You're you're so late on that joke. You're like three weeks late on All that right, well, joke. I haven't, I haven't been, been here, so it's so, fresh. Yeah. It's fresh content for me. Oh, hopefully not. It's hopefully that it's, I can get rid of this this week. I don't know. I, I want it gone. I hate it all. As I was telling you, my wife cut my hair. She didn't do a. She did a good job. So it may be time to let Madeline take the shears to the hair. Just maybe saying. it'll. Maybe I'll get desperate. Maybe. I'm already desperate. I want this gone. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, here's what we're going to talk about this week. There's actually a lot of headlines this week, uh, you know, from potential dates to when the season might start to some recruiting stuff. So we're going to cover all that. Obviously, I've been away for a while. Uh, I have some questions, so I'm going to kick those questions to you guys, uh, see if you have thoughts on them. And then you all have questions like you always do. And so in our final segment, we will uh, answer your questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to all of that, a quick announcement. As always, please continue to support our friends at Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. You can use that promo code ASSEMBLY20 to get 20% off. 
those guys are just blowing up if you follow them on Twitter. They're doing these new releases every weekend, adding a whole bunch of schools to the mix. So, I mean, if you have friends, family, you know, maybe you went to a different school or, you know, got a graduate degree somewhere else, like they're adding a whole bunch of schools. So go look there. Great stuff for gifts. Obviously, you can get all of your, uh, your IU gear there. Um, so coach, we've still got to work with them on getting the Purdue rant, uh, on a sweatshirt. So that's, uh, you know, they're, they're just, they're a little busy right now. So I don't know if that'll happen, but it's the, definitely the most oft requested assembly call, uh, <laughs> assembly call item. So see if we can ever make that happen. All right. Uh, let's talk who's your headlines. I think the most important one is a report from John Rothstein today. I think Matt Norlander also talked about this from CBS, but the most likely start dates for the season are either November 24th or December 4th, uh, which is interesting. You know, number one, just hearing about a potential start date for the college basketball season is great because it makes it seem a little bit more real, like it'll actually happen, you know, somewhat close to on time. But what's interesting about that is in-person classes in Bloomington conclude on Saturday, November 21st. Classes don't resume again until Saturday, February 8th. So that is a big time window of time there uh, where the students won't be on campus, you know, to almost serve as little de facto bubbles uh, for some of these teams. Uh, but Ryan, what did you think when you, when you saw those dates? Obviously that would push it back a little bit. Normally the season starts, you know, maybe late the first week in November uh, around there. I think Indiana has a game against uh, NGIT schedule or NJIT scheduled for like the 10th, maybe of November, something like that. So some of those games might be lost. It would be a little late. Who knows what happens to Maui, but at least we've got a little clarity on when a date might happen. Yeah, the, the biggest thing I'm disappointed about is Maui, obviously. And I don't know how the tournament's going to handle that and what they're going to do with IU, if they're going to push them back two years or something like that. Because there's already a field set for next year. So it's not like they can just move everybody back. That's already set. They'll probably, I would think, stack them on the back of the current one. Uh, that's obviously the biggest disappointment. That's a huge national tournament. would be a great place for those guys to showcase, them, showcase themselves early in the year. If that's uh, not coming, then... Uh, that's that's really a bummer for everybody involved. Bummer for the people who run the tournament too. That's their big deal every year, and and to not have it one year is is really a shame. Is there any um, reason to think that that's going to happen? I mean, I've just been no. operating under the assumption that that's not. Happening. No, I mean the the tournament has still said we haven't canceled yet, essentially. But you know that feels like it's coming. But they they yeah. they are maintaining because here's the thing: is if, if things all of a sudden get better, they can't be caught blindside trying to throw the tournament together. So they're going to continue to. To, to act like the tournament's happening until they do cancel, which I think is, you know, it can't be that far off, really. I mean, um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I think that the the dates for that make sense. The dates proposed, you know, late November, early December seem to make sense, but uh, we'll see what happens. Everything's up in the air right now. I mean, there's, you know, there's no, because we don't know what this is going to look like in a month and a half. And, and uh, you know, those could change. And we've seen with sports, everything's been very fluid. Uh, there have been cancellations. There have been pushbacks. There have been every plan seems to have been, you know, kind of pushed further out. We've seen it in baseball. One thing happens and suddenly three teams aren't playing for two weeks. So um, we really don't know what's going to happen. The latest episode of the CBS on College Basketball podcast with Matt Norlander and Gary Parrish, they talk about this some. And one of the ideas that they talked about that, that is being floated is potentially playing the conference games first and actually using that window when there's no students to get a whole bunch of the conference games in and then try and do a non-conference schedule later in the season. Because, you know, obviously starting it later is going to really hurt the non-conference, but the selection committee doesn't want to have anything to do with trying to see a tournament where there's no non-conference games to try and kind of compare leagues and compare teams. So they're trying to figure out if maybe delaying those until later and doing the conference games early might work. 
um, coach. I have no idea if that'll actually happen, but I just thought that was kind of an interesting hypothesis for how they might try and get a full season in with as many non-conference games as possible. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to compare teams um, if you just go to a conference-only season. But I do understand that there is a time period there in November or late November, December, January to get some games in, hopefully uh, in that bubble situation. And so it makes sense to get your most important games uh, done at that time and then try to go go elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, I there's got to be an alter, alternate way to select teams if you're only going to go to conference uh, than what has traditionally been the bracket work and the bracketology work that's that's been done in the past. And that's all in play, I would imagine. Yep. All right. Well, Richie has really the perfect segue to our next uh, topic here. He says, Ryan is looking more and more like the Geico caveman. Maybe Galen can get him some name image likeness money. Uh, and that is that is an appropriate comment because Indiana has launched a name image likeness task force. It is the first of its kind, I believe. Uh, and in fact, yes, the first sentence of the press release says Indiana University Athletics has announced the formation of a first of its kind name, image and likeness task force, further solidifying its position as a leader in a new and burgeoning era of intercollegiate athletics. And it is. It's really Indiana once again kind of taking the lead on this athlete first uh, approach that they've had, which I think is smart. I think is going to pay dividends down the road. And so I, you know, I like seeing them do it. But for fans of this show, for fans of the Indiana podcasting space, I think the most notable part about that announcement was that Galen Clavio is on the Name Image Likeness Task Force, which is fantastic. It's also his birthday today, so happy birthday, Galen. Um, but, you know, great to see that, but also, I mean, just really smart, because Galen knows his stuff, is as you know, smart and insightful about this stuff as anyone, and obviously his work with the Cuban Center and what that will, I think, allow you know, students to be able to help you know, athletes, you know, with graphics and different things. I just really like where Indiana is going with this. Like you can wait and say, well, we hope this doesn't happen. Yada, yada. You know what? Smart. Like see the writing on the wall, see what's going to happen one year from now, two years from now, three years from now, whatever, be forward thinking and make a move that puts you out in front of it. And Indiana has done that again. They did it with mental health. They've done it with a lot of stuff, the, the student athlete bill of rights. And so whether you agree with those things or disagree with them on their merits, this is where college athletics is going. So it's smart if you want to succeed to you know, be preemptive about it, be proactive about it, and get there. And so I applaud this just like I applaud some of their other moves. Uh, Ryan, what was your reaction to seeing this other than congrats, Galen? I, that was the first thing, of course. <laughs> uh, a friend of ours in an important position. We've got to find a way to profit off of this. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, but but uh, I think that it's great. And, and Indiana has been proactive in, on this front and has been very athlete centric and, and promoting, you know, the rights of athletes for years now. This isn't a new thing. This has been years. And whether it was guaranteeing four year scholarships or, you know, allowing uh, players to or guaranteeing the, the full scholarship, I guess it would be five years, um, it, allowing players to come back and finish their educations even years after they've left. I mean, some of these things have been very athlete centric and this is another one. That's just an example that they, they are putting athletes first and, and that's really should be the point of an athletics department and, and at a university that has sports at its core, put the athletes first, you know, I mean, yes, they're students and, and they need to get their educations and all of that stuff that we need to encourage that as well. But this is also, you know, a nod to the fact that these are not average students. They have different needs and different, you know, 
their different rules govern them. Let's be real. And, and to, um, to encourage this kind of thing is, is a positive, I think. And I'm proud of my universe, my alma mater for doing it. Which current player do you want us to pay to do your introduction for the assembly call? Once we can oh, pay them. Boy. <laughs> boy. If it's gotta be tough. race Thompson, right? Yeah, I think it's race. Yeah, <laughs> probably. See, if Juwan Morgan was still around, but Juwan Morgan, he's got that voice, that, he does. that really deep, you know, announcer voice. But yeah. yeah, I'd say race. Sure. I'm on the race, the race Thompson fan bandwagon. Coach, what were your thoughts when you saw this? I just echoing what has been been said. I think it's best to get out in front of of this as it's new to athletes. I think it also benefits Indiana basketball has a niche where it can really, you know, you're, the coach is going to have to recruit for a relationship, and and the, and the young man's going to have to come play basketball in Indiana first. But if it's a close decision, and and you're really on the forefront of this, that could really be a help. And I also think it helps uh, for the other athletes and other sports. If Indiana's out in front on this to to get your softball, your volleyball players that see this comparing to other schools, and I think it just helps the university um, as well as helping the individual. And I, I'm all for it. I, I've come around um, a lot in, in the in the last few years, especially with the amount of money that's being played, and add to it the to get rid of the amateur thing, so you can bubble these guys up and have a season, and 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 let's move forward and and have college basketball. You know, the, the, the way it has been in the past, it's just been under the table, all this stuff. Let's get it on top of the table and move forward. But Indiana's done a lot of good things, and kudos to to all who have had their hand in it for, for athletes over the years. Uh, other notes, the new roster was released. Trace is no longer number four, as he gives that to Christian Lander. Trace is now number 23, which was vacated by Demise Anderson's departure. If you don't know the freshman numbers, Anthony Leal will be number three in honor of all the three-pointers that he will make. Lander, number four. Jordan Geronimo, number two. Trey Galloway, number 32. Uh, and I thought it was interesting. Joey Brunk is 10 pounds heavier. Race Thompson is seven pounds lighter. Tend not to put too much stock into that stuff. You know, I guess the only note I would have about Joey Brunk being 10 pounds heavier is, uh, you know, hopefully that's the right kind of weight and he's able to carry it nimbly for the uh, for some of the hedging that he's going to have to do. Uh, but, you know, I trust with Cliff Marshall's uh, uh, program that it's the good kind of weight. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And then Blake Wesley announced his top 12, and Indiana was in it. So we made it, the top 12. <laughs> Along like with narrow, Grand Canyon. It's not really narrowing it down, Blake. No, you gotta... It is not, but good to, good to see that. And look, I, I jest, you know, let, let, the, let the high school kids kind of have their fun with the announcement and all that stuff. Um, but Indiana in the top 12, so I wouldn't read too much into that. It feels like Indiana's kind of whatever the final mix is of two, three, four, however many schools it is, it feels like Indiana's in there. So now we just wait for, uh, his announcement. So before we move to segment two, coach, did you have any thoughts on the Kenya Hunter hire that you wanted to share? Yeah, I think it's a, you know, we just can read the the bios and, and what other people say until we see the, the product on the floor. And, and sometimes you don't even see that. Uh, a lot of assistant coaches behind the scene, how comfortable do they help the coach? Uh, the scouting that they do, uh, that might be seen, uh, you know, if, if they do better in the games that, that they have scouted. But he has experience. And I think at Indiana, you don't want to really hand it over to a new guy that, that has limited experience because recruiting and on-court uh, coaching is so important. And to get a guy that whose resume is what it is, I think is, it says a lot about Archie and says a lot about Indiana. And so I think it's on the face of what we know, it's a good hire. And as long as Archie's comfortable, that's the main thing because you got to have cohesiveness in that staff 
of working. And a lot of the good things that assistant coaches bring are in the office behind the scenes that really aren't easy to see. And I highly recommend a piece that Zach Osterman wrote for the Indianapolis Star. He interviewed Tim Miles, uh, who coached with Kenya Hunter at Nebraska, and Isaac Copeland, who Kenya Hunter recruited to Georgetown and then brought over to Nebraska. And, I mean, they were effusive in their praise. Like, you don't often see assistant coaches get this level of praise. But it was essentially... Like the, the gist from Tim Miles was essentially like this is a five tool coach. Like he's a good recruiter. He relates well with players, good scouting reports, like doesn't really have a weakness. So it's not I think it's easy to look at this and say, oh, you know, they brought in a recruiting guy, you know, maybe to, you know, to to be like an East Coast recruiting guy because they got him from UConn, this, that and the other. Like it really feels like this is a well-rounded coach that's going to be able to bring a lot to the staff based on what you see. So good news all around uh, as far as. That goes, and hopefully... Now, that hasn't been officially announced yet, either. So I assume that they'll do that at some point soon. Who knows what the hang-up there is. Uh, but hopefully he gets to Bloomington soon and uh, enjoys it, because it's a great city, as we all know. All right, coming up, I've got some questions. You know, I've been away for a while, but that hasn't stopped me from thinking about IU Hoops and engaging in texts and tweets about IU Hoops. So I want to discuss some questions that have been on my mind. We'll do it next. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hi, this is Jawan Morgan. What's the only thing better than getting IU's first triple-double in 47 years? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Juwan. Playoff starter, Juwan Morgan, right there. Uh, welcome back to the assembly call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between-segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And obviously, I have been gone for a little while, but as I mentioned before, it doesn't mean I've stopped thinking about IU basketball. So I just want to run a couple questions by you that I've been talking about with, you know, some with you guys and some on other text threads and just kind of kicking around thinking about. And the first question is what is the level of heat that is on Archie's seat once the season begins? Because, you know, we haven't talked a lot about this, obviously, with, you know, not, you know, no games and just not a lot going on and the uncertainty of the season. And in part because it still seems to me, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but from all the fans that I interact with, I sense still a general feeling of optimism among fans and a general feeling of satisfaction with the direction Archie has taken the program, a general feeling of confidence in among many, not all, but among many, that he's the right guy and has this on the right path and things are going to start you know, going a little bit better. But at the same time, I notice with myself and with certain people I talk to, you know, kind of a, an undercurrent of latent impatience that could bubble to the surface if this team struggles in Archie's fourth year. Because... You know, even though there is kind of this feeling of, okay, things are going in the right direction, 
I don't think any IU fan would say that the results over the first three years have been satisfactory. Yes, we probably would have made the tournament last year, but it remains, you know, Archie Miller hasn't coached a tournament game. We haven't been competitive in the Big Ten. He's lost more Big Ten games than he's won. And so, you know, Coach, I'll start with you. You know, what happens if Indiana comes out of the gate this season, you know, one and two? You know, and it's we kind of see more of the same stuff, and, and they're just they're kind of not playing well. Like, do you think there's enough built-in goodwill with Archie to kind of weather some of that early on, or do you think this is one of those things where it's like people are feeling okay now, but we hit a little bit of turbulence once the games actually start, and since it's his fourth year, patience is going to go very quickly. Like, what do you foresee? What do you guess? Yeah, I, I actually see two two different levels. I think the fans, I would say, lukewarm. Um, because they want to see that success. And again, if you start out with playing conference, it depends on who you draw and where you're playing. You could get off to a tough start. And I think fans will uh, start to become a little bit more heated uh, towards Archie if if a good start isn't on the horizon. As far as Scott Dolson and the athletic department in the middle of this situation with a, a year that's not normal, uh, I would say it's you know it's not cool because you have to win at Indiana, uh, but I think there's a lot more leeway from Scott Dolson and the athletic department than there are from uh, fans. Now whether that gets to the donor the donors or whatever and heats up, um, this is a year he's going to have to win, and, and it's just I, you feel for him because you know there's all been all kinds of these secondary things each year that have happened that have kept a few wins off the board. Well, now, you you know, if you open up at Michigan State and follow it up by playing you know, Wisconsin at home, you should get off to a tough start. I mean, the Big Ten's tough. So I think there's two different – the fans are going to be more impatient than the athletic department um, going into this year, in my opinion. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I think last year ended on some positives. And then you saw – I mean, especially, you know, the fact that they got to win their last game in a blowout, that – led a lot of people to be sort of like, hey, they were really playing well at the end, even though the loss to Wisconsin the game before was kind of disappointing. They got to finish on a high note. And and I think that that is Big a Ten tournament way. champs, baby. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, and they played really well in that game. You know, I mean, that was really impressive. It was like putting it all together and you're like, oh, I want to go see them play another game. And they were supposed to play Penn State and then the season got canceled, you know, and they'd beaten Penn State before. And so you thought, oh, well, they could, you know, do this. And, you know, but the thing that people, you know, looking back, you kind of forget they had that disappointing game in Illinois where they really had a chance to win it late and didn't. And there were some bad calls at the end that kind of screwed that up. But before that at Purdue, they played really poorly. Uh, they did win at Minnesota at home, but going down the stretch, you saw glimmers of hope and then down to, well, they ended on a glimmer of hope. And I think that a lot, that's really affected a lot of people's view and they were going to make the tournament is another thing. You finish 20 and 12, you get to the 20 win mark but you're below 500 in conference. So there's, there's sort of this, it was this up and down thing with last year. Now, if you look at the pre the first two years compared to the third year, third year was demonstrably, in my opinion, better. And so you've seen a slow sort of growth from the program. And I think that's why people are optimistic that. And again, the last time we saw them on a floor, they won by 25. Uh, I, you know, don't tell people, shh, the fact that Nebraska was missing like five players, but <laughs> and their coach was dying on the sidelines. Yeah, I mean, you know, but still, the way Indiana played on the floor, they earned that win. You know, uh, so I think that's why there's some optimism is that they finished well, and they were clearly going to make the tournament. They were in, I think, every bracket projection at the end. They might have been out of one or two, but those were the crazy people. Uh, 
so I think uh, that's why there's optimism, you know, but at the same time, if there's another stretch in the season where they lose four in a row winnable games uh, and come out flat in games and don't play well and get run off the floor by people they shouldn't be run off the floor by. Yeah, the seat's going to get hot again. But I think right now people have confidence. I think they look at getting Christian Lander. They look at the recruiting class coming in. They got Trace Jackson Davis to come back for another year. I mean, there is optimism around the program. And then the next recruiting class, it's shaping up to at least be decent. I think that they're looking at the momentum that the program has built over these three years and the players they have and thinking, okay, if everybody's healthy, big if, but if everybody's healthy, this can be a good team and it can build to an even better team the next year. There's a couple things that he – first of all, I'm very optimistic, as you guys know on this show. I really like Archie, oh, yeah. and I think patience, 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 patience for him to get his guys in consistently to play the way he wants to play, I think we'll be very happy with him. But I'm also realistic. you got to play better on the road. The performance is on the road. If you're going to lose on the road, be very competitive on the road, and Indiana hasn't. Uh, and then you got to play consistently through the season. The, the 11 game, lo- losing 11 out of 12 in year two. And then last year, uh, you know, five and three. And then you lose four in a row and win one and lose four, you know, two or three more. That That is just draining and not what Indiana basketball is. Tons of reasons that we could go over why that happened, but it just can't continue. Those are areas where he's going to have to get better or, or the seat will get uh, warm in a hurry. Yeah, you know, I I just have the sense that, you know, obviously like in the moment, fans have been pretty impatient with Archie, but I think overall, most fans have been extremely patient with him given the results through three years. And I just, I, I worry that if they struggle out of the gates, there could be a bit of a correction where there's going to be maybe more impatience than you would expect early in the fourth year because it's like, hey, this is the fourth year already. Like, let's go. And the difference between this year and the last couple of years is there have been some buffers for Archie. You know, that first year, hey, it's the first year. You know, you're turning an offensive program into a defensive program. You know, the second year, all the injuries and, you know, just all that stuff with, I mean, how much Duran was out and all, you know, all these guys are injured. And, and, you know, so that was talked about a lot. And then, you know, last year, you know, you know, different stuff as well. You know, you've got, you know, personality conflicts maybe with certain players. Well, now none of that is is there. You know, Justin Smith is gone. Devontae Green is gone. You know, no one, no, if Indiana struggles, Indiana fans are not going to pin it out on Al Durham. <laughs> you know what I mean? As the senior, like the, everything is on Archie now. And so that's why I think there's just, there's more pressure and the, the patient shown when Indiana struggles for the first time next year is going to be interesting. And part of that may just be when the struggle comes, if they come out of the gates well, and you're, you know, nine and one, and then you lose a couple games, that's different than if you're just one and two and, and struggling early. So it's just something to watch. And I guess my other question is, what Big Ten coaches are obviously on a hotter seat than Archie heading into this season? Like Richard Pitino, I think you would put in that category. Um, Brad Underwood, you could probably put on par with Archie. Like he has a better team theoretically this year, but that means expectations are higher. Fran McCaffrey, you could probably put up there because he's been there for a while and now he's got to deliver with this good team. Is there anybody else that you guys would consider uh, on par with those guys? Those are probably the, the hottest seats in the Big Ten, right? Or am I missing anybody obvious? Oh, you're muted, Coach. Is uh, Chris Collins on the hot seat? He's, he's got uh, to be, right? I mean, yeah, he's I just struggling. It just depends on the expectations. That team. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, Michael Dugan, but I just wasn't really thinking about Northwestern. But, yes, no, I mean, it depends on, on what the expectations are there. If the expectations are to be mildly competitive sometimes, yeah. then Chris Collins probably has a very secure job. But, yeah. um, 
Yeah. Hot seat, I'm not sure, but pressure is McCaffrey. Yeah, a lot of pressure uh, yeah. on McCaffrey. If, if he can't win with this team and his team's played defense and he has a couple explosions, uh, anger explosions, I think Iowa might get really tired of that quick. Um, he seems well-suited to dealing with pressure, though. You know, So I'm, yeah, sure, I'm sure it'll all go fine. <laughs> Mr. Calm. Yeah. Um, like, I always think he's taking like three Xanax before a game. You just see that guy <laughs> on the sideline. Okay, so next question is, and I've debated this with several people, if you could snap your fingers and guarantee one of these developments, which one do you think provides a bigger boost to IU? Either Race Thompson becomes a credible outside shooter or Jerome Hunter becomes a credible defender of threes and fours. Which one would be more important? What was the first one? I'm sorry. Race Thompson becomes a credible outside shooter to the point where defenses have to respect it and it alters the gravity a little bit of the defense. I think it's race, no question. And now you can debate which one of these is more likely, certainly. But I'm saying just no. Given I'm saying one that, of them that, that one helps more. Yeah, that one helps more because it spreads the offense out. I, I think and unless, it opens things up. Unless you can say that more minutes will go to Jerome because he can prove that he can guard. Already is a better three point shooter and stretch the floor the same way because he's getting more minutes. Yeah, I mean, credible defender is different than a than a really good defender. You know, like Race Thompson's a difference-making defender. I don't think Jerome Hunter's ever going to be that. Right. You know, so that's that's maybe the difference. But, you know, I don't know. It's interesting because, I mean, those two guys are so important. And their ability to do great. those two things is going to matter so much this year. I'm going to go outside the box. You know it would be great? If both happened. Well, sure. That'd be I phenomenal. Gonna say that. <laughs> That'd be great. I and Joey Brunt, Joey Brunt can hedge ball screens. Face. You know, Trey Galloway yeah. can make threes. Christian Landers, 215 pounds of pure muscle. Like, oh, yeah, it's all, all going to be awesome. It's all going to happen, baby. This is our year. <laughs> hey, you know, it is, it's the yeah. pandemic offseason. We don't know when the season's starting, so let's just be hopeful. Why so not? Somebody was talking hey, everything's about possible. With, with the shortened season or whatever, and, and they were talking about, uh, you know, the Padres. Padres aren't going to win a World Series God. this year, but they're competitive for the first time in forever. They said, would you, like, if they won a World Series for the first time in this season, would you celebrate it the same way as once a a hundred percent. I'm celebrating it like it's a normal year. Like it's everybody's Every team's the dealing with thing. the same thing. If it's right. yeah, if, if if IU wins a uh, an, an a national title in a shortened season, I'm celebrating it like it's as legit as the other five banners. Like Absolutely. you know, I mean, you're so, damn right. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. I, I that was a conversation somebody had the other day. Just like, what would you would you really you know consider it as equal? Like, yeah, absolutely, it is. I think it might actually be harder because of everything that's going on. But Brett, know. Brett in the chat said things it, that we deserve both. And for what's gone on in a in a few years, even some of the up years with the struggles we had off off the court and uh, some other things. Yeah, I think I use about ready to catch some breaks. They need both. They good, are good breaks, lucky breaks. Just to be specific, um, yeah, saying break okay. around this team is bad. <laughs> yeah. My so, bad, okay. my bad. So let me flip that question then. Which one do you think is more likely? Because you know we've talked about this race theoretically being a three point shooter because we saw some of it in high school. We haven't seen him take many in college. He hasn't seemed comfortable. And at what level would he actually have to make them for defense to actually say, okay, we've got to, you know, we've got to respect this out here and you know potentially go out there leaving trace open or leaving some driving lanes open. Because that's the other question is, you know, that's probably always going to be kind of the part of the offense that defenses will choose to kind of give up. So I don't even know what, yeah. uh, what how good he would have to be from three-point range to change that. But which one do you think is more likely? I think race. I like his form. I think he's just got to have confidence in the green light from the coaching staff on pick and pops, 
Boy, if you could get him to pick and pop, that would be great. I like his form. I think his growth from where he's at to where he needs to be to be a 33 34% shooter is a lot less than the growth that Jerome needs to make to be a credible defender. I think he could be a below average or at least an acceptable defender, but he's got to grow more to be a credible defender the way you asked the question. Yeah, and I, I think the thing with, with Jerome is we saw flashes last year. We were like, oh, he looks good defensively, you know, for, for stretches of games. But to be able to do it for for a 40-minute, you know, I mean, whatever he plays, 30 minutes max, uh, is, is going to be difficult. And that might take a few years. That might take not this year, but next year. And uh, I think race really is not that far off with his shot. Now, will it happen this year? I, I don't know. But I, I really did not think he was that far off with his shot last year. Now, again, the other thing is, how many is he going to shoot? Is he going to shoot 40 in the season? 50? Because last year, what did he shoot? Like 10 or yeah. something? Like that? I mean, he really didn't shoot Yeah, not many. many at all. And and is he all of a sudden just going to start gunning them as he's hitting them? It doesn't seem like that's his nature, but he can certainly, I mean, we've seen him make them in the past. So I think it certainly races the answer here. Yeah. But I also think that there are stretches where Jerome can be a credible defender. I don't know about against fours in the post, but certainly certainly on the floor, we saw him move his feet pretty well at times last year. What yeah. game was it where Race on the it was on the right wing, if I'm remembering? It was one pass, no thought, catch, shoot three, somewhat guarded. It's like early in the Big Ten season, I'm like, okay, yeah. he's not even thinking about it, and it was nothing but net. And then later in the season, when he got more run, it seemed like, he, he was, was thinking wide about open, and then being he was maybe told not to shoot. Where he had early a couple on, he from just the, got in and let it go. He had a couple from the top of the key where he thought about it. You know, he caught it out there, yeah, and thought yeah. about it, and missed it. And it's again, his shot form is not bad, and and he's got to also translate that to the free throw line. Like he's got to start making his free throws consistently yeah. because his form is there. It's just a matter of repetition and focus. I mean, and and I don't think he doesn't focus. I think it's the repetition part. of by the way, I looked it up. Kenya Hunter, when he played at Duquesne, shot 35% from downtown, 74.4% from the free throw line. He was a guard, averaged about four assists per game. Not saying that that's going to you know, translate. Obviously, he played a while ago in the mid-90s, but any, any good shooting we can get in the program from wherever it comes from, I'll take it. So, you know, maybe that'll, maybe that'll be something that can rub off. Okay, uh, last question. We've got a couple minutes to talk about this, so we'll hit it real quick. Does seeing Juwan and Romeo getting minutes in NBA playoff games as rookies, Juwan's been starting, Romeo's played a little bit, does it change at all your perception of Indiana's underwhelming team performance during their one season together in Bloomington, now that we're more than a full season removed from it? Because I kind of found myself at one point, I was like, man, you got two guys playing in the NBA playoffs and couldn't even... You know, couldn't break a 11 game losing streak. Couldn't make the NCAA tournament, huh? That's uh, well, I think, and, and again, yeah, in the context, we remember all the reasons why it didn't happen. But now, as you get further removed from some of the nuance of it, I just wonder if that's been a thought in anybody's mind because it did cross I, my mind. I think you can't consider that without considering the situation around the team and how radically different the system was than the system from the year before. Now, if those guys have both been on the team under the previous system with the rest of the players who had been through the previous system and they didn't have to do this radical shift. Maybe you look at it and you say, mm. but they were, they were, you know, tearing up the foundation and rebuilding it. And you're expecting like the house to look nice. But I guess you know? that's my it, point. Are, are, do we make too many excuses looking back on that season where the bottom line is you had two NBA players, you should be able to be more competitive. <laughs> like, no, because we were close to it and saw what was going on. I mean, there were times where they didn't know what they were doing offensively or defensively. You know, they didn't, they were trying to run the pack line with guys who had never run it before. And, you know, 
were forgetting their assignments half the time. You know, I mean, it's it. And then the offense was at times it would look really smooth and at times it would look just dead. And, and, and they relied on Romeo too much at times. And they relied on, you know, Juwan too much at times. And Romeo also had a messed up wrist. And, you know, I mean, there was all the, was it, was his thumb or his wrist he messed up? I can't remember. Yeah, it was like a ligament. I mean, it was right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, he, he was hurt and couldn't shoot and they, they didn't respect anybody's jump shot. And, you know, I mean, there were so many issues with that team. Having two players isn't enough. I, I don't think. And those guys performed all year. It's not like they struggled. Those guys performed. It was the rest of everybody else not fitting the system and and not performing to a high enough level. That's my take on what happened. Um, you know, I don't know. Two things. We were close Any, to that team and we saw, you know, I mean, yeah. it's hard to just say like, oh, they had talent. They should have been good. Anytime you look back and I'll see two guys in the NBA, you're like, man, that should have been better. I think that's a natural way to go. Uh, but also it's a credit to those two young men too, because, you know, Juwan wasn't an NBA player when he graduated. He had to work his way through the G League and, yeah. and work hard and figure out the NBA game. And, and to some extent, Romeo, too, for being a lottery pick, he was down in the G League for a while. And, and Yeah, well, you know, that yes, also has to do with the team that now, drafted so, him. Let's be real. Right. So, so it's not like he went in right away into a starting lineup or anything like that. But those two men really worked hard uh, at the pro level with pro people working them out, learning that game as well. But then the, going back to what Ryan said, the game of basketball is a guards game. And it pains me being a big guy, but it's a guards game. And you need multiple guards to stretch the floor, to run the fast break, to handle the ball. And we just saw it, that we had two guys there, two NBA players who in college needed to score at the rim. Uh, and it, and they didn't expand their game uh, like they have now a little bit more in, in the NBA. But it's a guards game, and that's why this year, again, I'm a little happier about IU because we have more guards that can do things and make less mistakes as guards. One last thing I think it's it's worth noting, it's something that they both got from being at IU, is the fact that the reason they're both playing, anybody can play offense at the NBA level. Anybody can score. Anybody can hit jump shots, whatever. Those guys are that talented. The reason those two guys are playing is because of defense. They both play hard, tough defense. Romeo Lankford has become an excellent defender in the NBA. He's not Obviously, he's not playing major minutes, so he's not showing up in some of the the statistical categories, but when he's on the floor and Brad Stevens has noticed it because he's putting him against good players and, and yeah. both of those guys learned that defense from playing under Archie Miller and got better on defense playing under Archie Miller. So you have to understand the reason these guys are having success is because they played in that system and played on that team. That team was flawed fundamentally. And so it's just hard to look back and say like, Oh, they should have been great. Those guys gained something for being on that team, and and they're starting to show it now more and more. They shouldn't have been great. They just maybe shouldn't. Have well, you know, so I'm just you know colloquially. <laughs> I know, great. but your point about the defense yeah. is a good one. And Romeo's defense was really good at times at IU, and it went unnoticed yep. too often. So, well, and his reputation coming in was they didn't play a lick of defense too. Yeah, you know, and, and he took it, he everyone, took some games every, off, but there were some games where he was really engaged defensively. I mean, it was, it was you know, and he you're right, he did take some games off, and that's I think less on Romeo and more just being a freshman. You know, and and it's something where he had never had to try on that end of the floor before to be successful. And so it, yeah. the transformation has been pretty great. And, you know, that's why he is where he is. And that's why Juwan, you know, in the G League where they play no defense, that guy was playing defense. And that's what earned his call up. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for helping me think through those questions, guys. The team also it. couldn't shoot. 
for Lick. <laughs> I want a team that can shoot again so badly. So badly. I know, me too. All right, coming up in our third segment, we will answer your questions with whatever time we have left, including one from Patrick about which one-on-one battles we would focus in on if we could attend practice and watch. It's a fun question. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. E-cigs don't burn tobacco leaves, and they come in lots of flavors. That's what tobacco companies tell you. Here are three things tobacco companies don't say. One, many teens don't know their flavored e-cigs have nicotine. Two, nicotine is a poison that can rewire the teen brain. Three, 80% of kids who tried vaping did it because of the flavors. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. The news on flavored e-cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use, but parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. So know this. 1. Nicotine is one of the most toxic of all poisons. 2. Kids are more at risk for developing addiction. 3. A nicotine addiction can make it easier for kids to get addicted to other drugs. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Hey, this is Deron Davis. And what's the only thing better than dominating a dude big man in the post? It's celebrated with friends afterwards. Join Gerard, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Hall call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Duran. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason and after every game. We send out a detailed post-game analysis, which will resume whenever the games resume again. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. All right, guys, time for the mailbag. All of these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, uh, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community, which Coach has just all kinds of fun stuff happening in there. Coach is just becoming the the community leader extraordinaire there inside the community. Uh, So stay tuned for some news on that. Uh, But here's a fun question from Patrick. Well, actually, we'll start with Brian's question first. This is when originally it was going to be me, Ryan, and Andy hosting the show. Andy had to, had something come up, so he wasn't able to do it. But he said, is this the first time the original three have been together since the virus ended the season? And I think it might have been, but unfortunately it wasn't yeah. meant to be. So. Yeah, I don't think it was. I think we, we did, did one. Did we do one? Did we do yeah, one? Yeah, I think we did one this summer. Okay, maybe yeah. we did one. Because I remember thinking then it had been the first time in a long time. But yeah, yeah we've been rotating people in trying to give you guys some fresh perspectives and give us some time off, which we all have lives. I was going to say we've had nothing but time off. So it's kind of weird that we need time off, but you know, yeah, well, the, the two of us with the young children, it's, uh, I don't know if, I don't know if time. And I have no excuse. So (laughs) I, it's, yes, I've had work. That's really it. Yes. Intending to your beard. Uh, okay, from Patrick, if you could join a practice to watch one-on-one drills, which player combos would you want to watch while downing a big old tub of salty assembly hall popcorn? I'll tell you right now, the really one that I salty. would want to watch is Rob Finnessy versus Christian Lander. I would I love to, to see. I mean, maybe that's the obvious one. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, the old vet in Rob Finnessy, you know, and the new young gun in Christian Lander. 
I would love to see those guys. And frankly, and I would love to see Rob hand him his lunch defensively is what I would love to see. But then be there kind of helping him out, putting his arm, kicking his butt, and then putting his arm over his shoulder. That's what I would hope to see. All right. You know what I'm going to go with? I'm going to go with Jordan Geronimo and Jerome Hunter. Ooh, okay. Young, super athletic guy and a guy who's trying to work his way back and be kind of a, a scorer. Uh, obviously, the first one is the one you picked. I think Fennessey mm-hmm. and Lander would be a blast. But I'll go with the wings. I want to see some wings going head-to-head there. I'll okay. add to that with Armand and, um, oh, my gosh, I'm having an old man Al- thing. Al Durham. Al Durham. Yeah, I had it right before Al <laughs> because Durham I, and I Armand Franklin. Because I thought of that one. Yeah. Uh, but watching, put all you those know, wings. Watching post Trace, players aren't fun to watch. Watching Race Thompson guard Trace in the post would be fun, too. Like watching those two guys go. I mean, there's there's some great matchups on this, and hopefully they make each other better. You know, in practice. I would love to see one of those like, and I don't know even know if they still do these, but one of those like roll out loose ball drills between Race Thompson and Trey Galloway. That'd be fun. That would be a fun one. How about how about I, a three? How about a three point shooting contest between Anthony Leal and Cooper Bybee? There you go. <laughs> I would love to see Armand Franklin just guard everyone in you know right in a row until someone scored. I just think he'd be down in a stance, clapping yeah. his hands, saying, bring it. I just like his attitude. And you don't score, get off the court. You don't score, and he just stays on the court until you know someone scores, and I think he'd be on there for 10 minutes while I'm eating my popcorn. If there was a game of knockout, who would win? Who would win an Indiana oh, basketball knockout? game of knockout? Well, it's got to be a shooter, so you long. think, right? Durham. Yeah, I think Al Durham's a good call. He's savvy, and he can hit shots. And he's quick on a miss. You got to be smart. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Okay. All right. Those are good ones. Um, let's see. Real quick with the time that we have left here. Uh, Jack said, what do you believe will be the probability of having a full basketball season this year? So we talked about the dates earlier. I mean, if you're talking full, like 32, 30, you know, the reg- the full allotment of regular season games and the the early season tournaments, I don't think there's almost any chance of that. I don't think there's any chance of that. But I think there's a decent chance that you could get high 20s in regular season games, and there will definitely be an NCAA tournament somehow, yeah. some way. That's going to no happen. No way they don't do that this year for the financial. No, I think you get a full Big Ten season and and, uh, and maybe a few non-conference. I think that's Four or five. almost assured. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that's yep. pretty pretty secure. I could see that. And then uh, finally, Ryan, how feasible is it to have the NCAA tournament in the bubble? You guys have probably talked about this on previous episodes, but it's going to have to be a bunch of separate bubbles. Um, you know, each each region maybe doing a bubble. Uh, I think that's that's pretty feasible. The problem is, you know, they're going to have to be able to have rapid testing and things like that, which looks like is getting developed. Good development uh, on that front. But it, so, you know, everybody have to go in quarantine, hopefully quarantine for like three days and then go because if you got to quarantine for 10 days and then play, it's not going to happen. Yeah, that's it. We're done. No more questions. OK, well, that is going to have to do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU basketball again with you next Thursday night. Until then. Take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Here I come. This is Don Sony. Okay.
Um, let's see. What other questions? I, I didn't put it on here, but IU Artifacts had a question. Basically, what recruit that Indiana went after, like, you know, in the 90s and 2000s, like from previous eras, would you have most liked to see actually end up at IU? Josh Smith. He I went mean, pro. That would have been, that team would have been really fun with him. But always part of the IU family. So always part of the IU family. Always, always part of the family. Forever. But that he would have been like I on that roster that they had him just running up and catching and dunking alley oops and stuff would have been fun. Plus, I was on campus at that time, so that's really why I'm saying it. Um, there yeah. are others. I mean, there's a couple of really. I mean, well, Greg Oden. I mean, Montrose. yeah. I mean, th- those are probably the ones. Yeah, Montrose. And if Greg Oden comes, Mike Conley probably comes too. You know, I mean, that's that that class was. You know, mm. I will. I recently Kyle Guy. Yeah, yeah, it's a big one. They didn't even show any interest. Um, Ty Jerome. Yeah. The Blewett kid from <laughs> Indianapolis. Trayvon Blewett, yeah. Yeah, I mean. That, he seemed to want to go out, though, somewhere else. Yeah, and, and that's okay, too, you know, if we lose kids and they, they want to go to some, some other place. But to to not, well, we're opening up old stuff. But, Cans of worms there, yeah. uh, Coach. Coach Sorry. Jeff said Kyrie Irving. trying to Irving. be positive. Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Lou um, Cinder. Can you okay? Can you just imagine a year of Kyrie Irving and Tom Crean together, though? Like no, those are no, two kind no, of odd absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny to think about. But. Um. Yeah. So I. Yeah. No. That's a. That's a no for me. So. Uh, um. <laughs> I don't know. There. There are a bunch, man. I. You know. Mm-hmm. I was. See, I was happy when they missed on Josh McRoberts. I. I because I didn't think he fit what they were trying to do. Um, so that was a big one when I was in school is they, they, they didn't get Josh McRoberts, but who else did they miss on that? That were big. Oh, uh, Cody's older brother, older brothers. Yeah. You know, both of them, you know, that, that could change things. Yeah. Yeah. All those. But yeah. I think Greg Oden is the big answer because he, you know, as a freshman takes them to the national title game and they almost win it. Um, so, Yeah. Um, let's see. Patrick said a lot of unknown still, but if I use a lot of two non-conference games, who do we choose? 150 to 200 range, te- range teams to work the kinks out or top 100 teams right out of the gate? I'm sorry. I didn't see this one. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. What would Man, you do? I'd, if, you're, if you could start in a non-conference, it might be nice to get the flow going um, with at I least agree. one team to get out there and get something on tape. I mean, that's what's nice about some of those, you know, buy games is that you do need games to get people some playing time, see what the freshmen can do, get it on tape. Um, otherwise, I mean, the, even with Nebraska and, and Northwestern, the Big Ten's a grind. Um, but, I, you know, maybe in-state, Notre Dame or a, or a MAC level team, you know, or a combination would be my pick. Yeah, and, and to think about it, their strength of schedule, if they're only playing conference games, Big Ten's going to be tough. Their strength of schedule is going to be fine if they have a clunker or two, I think. I mean, don't you think, To the Coach, extent that, that strength of – I mean, it just depends on how it's set up, how they'll even look yeah, and at how strength it matters. of schedule. But, but last year, a couple 9 and 11 Big Ten teams were going to go in because they won big conf- non-conference games. That's if true. If you just have 20 and you have two teams that are 9-11 and the conference is strong, are you going to go with an 11-9 and nine team from the – you know? Uh, it, I just don't think regular bracketology works. Yeah. Uh, I, I, if they're going to go conference only, then they're going to have to slot. I, I, I like that idea where 
They get together, they make a decision on how many slots each conference gets, and for one year, Big Ten gets eight or nine or whatever. So you it just is. know the just criteria a, going in. You better know finish the criteria going in. Everyone yes. knows it. Everybody goes and plays. Yeah, I mean, yes. I could. See I would be all for it if they did it that way. But that you've got average bids over the out. last like three years or something. Uh, yeah. uh, yes, exactly. And um, but you got to lay way, that out. That's how they the do season. it in European soccer. You know, yep. you've earned it because of the way you've played in the past years, or you haven't earned it in the way. So it's a little bit of recency, and then everyone knows ahead of time, and you're not putting it in the hands of a committee to try to discern who's best, and and especially with uneven conference schedules. You get a real tough conference schedule, and you're a good team. That's what the the, the committee has done a good job of, of of sending those teams in, and then teams that have a weaker conference schedule are going to win more games. I I don't know that you can go traditional selection criteria. By the way, I wanted to mention before we go, uh, good friend of the show, Bill Murphy, let me know Gary Long, uh, who played on the 1959 uh, Indiana team. Scored 29 points uh, in the game uh, when Indiana scored a record 122. Uh, his wife passed away this week. So our thoughts oh. to, to his family. Just want to send best wishes to them uh, during what obviously is a, a difficult time. They've been married a long time. Gary is 80. Uh, and uh, Bill said both wonderful people. So we just wanted to our thoughts, we had send the, our thoughts to them. Yeah, We had the privilege of them stopping by a tailgate a couple years ago. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, his son uh, has tickets right across the aisle from us. Does he? Um, had tickets right across the aisle, and then brought him by, and I and I got to meet him and his wife. So, and thoughts to Shelby Mast, right? Is it Shelby Mast yes. that's undergoing some medical issues as well from the bracketology yeah, world? He suffered a stroke, uh, was hospitalized, is out, but has to undergo some some rehab, uh, and is unable to work. And I emailed him today, Shelby. For those who don't know, he writes some columns for the USA Today. He's known as the Bracket Wag. He personally, along with Andy, helped um, Delphi Bracketology and myself learn the the whole bracketology thing, which I've been fortunate enough to to be able to do some really cool things with our students. But Shelby was there, and he was the one who said that we should enter this contest that we ultimately won and got on CBS. Uh, it was devastating news to to hear that today, and but I emailed him and. And he was able to email back and, and the bracket go to Delphi Bracketology on Twitter. A lot of people are sending their thoughts and condolences. So um, you, you just appreciate people, especially in, in an era where things are so divisive. Yeah. Shelby is one of those guys that has helped me tremendously um, with no connection um, whatsoever. I, I can't pay him. I wish I could do some things. But, yep, that was some sad news. Boy, in this day and age, if you're a person who brings people together as opposed to someone who wedges people apart, that's uh, that's valuable. Okay in my book. Very valuable. All right. Well, gentlemen, this was fun. It's always good to see you guys. Pretty soon, uh, it's just going to be a microphone and a tuft of hair, like a big glob of hair over here, uh, which is which Come is on fine. now. It's not fair. And they- <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys with all the hair. That's not fair. I'm telling you, give give Madeline a shot. I think you should give her a shot. <laughs> we'll see. You've got to live stream it, though. Yes. Set up a camera and live stream it. Oh, boy. Be I might live stream me shaving the beard for sure, um, or at least buzzing it down because it's it's kind of become our third roommate over here. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. 
Huh. All right, guys. All right, fellas. All right, thanks, thanks for watching, everyone. everybody. It's good to k- see you guys again in the chat. Always, always. All right, everybody. We will be back next week with another new show. Also, buy Ken Bykoff's book. I haven't had a chance to read it yeah. yet, but I've heard really good things. No, about I haven't it. either. Yeah, we're gonna try to have him on uh, an episode soon to talk about that. So maybe we should him. do a giveaway. Okay, so let's do a giveaway. I'm down with that. What what should be the criteria for the giveaway? We can think about it because I just threw that out there with no, you know, <laughs> it, deep thinking there. But we'll we'll figure it okay, out. I like it though. We'll do a Come giveaway. Ryan, you're the you're the answer man. Yeah, we'll I know, a, right? We'll do a giveaway. It's a good idea. All right, guys, yeah. stay tuned for that. <laughs> See everybody. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger—they're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery: the Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over 250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.